0: I wanna talk tonight about the Next Great Awakening, the Next Great Awakening. Now, as we talk about this, you have to understand that the word Great Awakening is is indigenous to the United States, all right? So that is not something that you refer to in England, the revival movements, we call it the Welsh Revival, we talk about the revival of Wales. But when you talk about the Great Awakening, that's a part of American history. So it was, we have seen, some say three Great Awakenings, but we know of two Great Awakenings that are in the history books, logged in the history books, that literally change the entire uh, landscape of the country. And I wanna talk about those, uh, uh, some of those tonight. So I wanna talk about the next Great Awakening. Anybody ready for an awakening in America? We need that. I'm, you know, Awakening means wake up. It means your eyes are open. It means that you're beginning to see something in the spirit realm that you've never seen before. So I wanna talk tonight about the next great awakening. And if you will, yeah, there we go. This is a prophecy that came out in 1986 that has gone viral, and I wanna read this to you. This is from David Wilkerson. He, he wrote a book on it. He's, you can hear sermons on it. I mean, it's all over YouTube if you wanna hear him saying it himself. But David Wilkerson said this back in 1986. I see a plague coming on the world and the bars, the churches and government will shut down. The plague will hit New York City and shake it as it has never been shaken. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry of the man of God in the pulpit. Out of it will come the third great awakening and will sweep America and the world. And this is a prophecy that David Wilkerson gave in 1986, and many people believe, and I believe, I've never seen anything that has shut down New York City except for the pandemic. I've never seen anything shut down the world except you can call it a pandemic or a plandemic. It doesn't matter which side you're on, it shut down the world. Whatever it was, whoever made it, wherever it came from, it shut down the world and it shut down New York City. And I believe that is what David Wilkerson saw and he said from that, there will be prayer movements that will begin to be birthed. And I can tell you in 2020, as a matter of fact in 2020 is when the Global Prayer Center literally launched. Now there's always been a prayer movement on this campus. There've been a prayer movement in the barn. there had been a prayer movement all the way back to I mean some of the early days. There was prayer meetings going on in the Lowry Center when Dr. Lowry was alive and they're in the Lowry Center. So there's always been there's always been a prayer emphasis and a prayer uh, plowing in this in this whole in this whole ministry, but nothing like the Global Prayer Center, because it went global, every single week, 10,000 people logging online to pray with you. I mean, come on. There are. I don't know if there's any other prayer movement in the world like that, and you're seeing these not only there, Every church that I travel to, I'm hearing the same thing over and over. God has called us to prayer. Now I wanna tell you, when the glory of God comes, the glory of God is gonna come to houses of prayer. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I will hear their land. And this is the end of that promise. He said, I will hear them from this place. From what place? The people which are called by my name that have humbled themselves and prayed. So the glory of God is not gonna be hosted in every church. It's gonna be hosted in houses of prayer. It's gonna be hosted in places where there is a prayer movement. And that is the reason I'm waiting on it. I'm like those guys in northern West Virginia. I'm ready to clean out the cobwebs and make room for glory. I'm ready for that. I am anticipating it. I am, I am looking for glory. I am looking for revival. And not only am I looking for revival, I'm looking for, a, I'm looking for God to bring the Jacob generation in from the high schools, from the college campuses. It is going to happen. It is going to happen. And it's not, they're not gonna come because they like my sermons or anyone's sermons. They're not gonna come because we're, we, we wear a hat or jeans or tennis shoes that's not listen we're so far beyond that we are past the show you tell every preacher you know we are past the show no one's impressed anymore take just do just do you. Just be genuine. Just be real. No one's looking for the show, but everyone is looking for God. Everyone is looking for God. And it's time, it's time that the, that the Church of the Living God understand that if God calls us to an awakening, what that looks like. So one of the ways that you understand awakening is to study awakenings. Now here is one of the awakenings that America's gone through called the Great Awakening. The Great Awakening happened in a a 30-year period from 1720 to 1750 when we were only 13 colonies, okay? Now here's some amazing things about that. This all started in Enfield, Connecticut with one sermon. Jonathan Edwards preached a sermon called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. And when he preached that sermon, he literally read it as a manuscript. He, he read it with a candle, and by the time he finished the sermon, they said that you could hear the cries of the people inside the church, and all night long you could hear cries of, cries of repentance all through Enfield, Connecticut that night. That when you walked the streets prayer meetings broke out in the homes. From that, prayer meetings literally invaded the 13 colonies, and by the time this movement was over, 80% of America had confessed Christianity. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't you like to live in America again where 80% were confessing Christianity? So when this happened, John Wesley, George Whitfield, some of these guys from England came over and began to preach, brought music over with them. The Wesley brothers brought all the hymns with them, and this became an amazing movement. Now here's the thing you're going to understand in all of these movements. There's two two things that are always present. Um, There's Always prayer meetings going on, and there's always young people being saved. In every one of these movements, you're going to see this repeated over and over again. And I want to tell you the most important thing that any group that can do that's preparing for revival is pray. And you can't do too much of it. And listen, even if only four or five people gather, God will honor that. You don't have to have big groups to pray, but you have to pray. You have to call upon God. That is the key to bringing birthing any revival anywhere is that. And then the other thing is you have to move into worship. Now, sermons may change when glory comes, who knows? Uh, During Azusa Street, there weren't a lot of sermons. This was a three-year revival that literally went on 24 hours a day. It never shut down, 24/7 a day, where they were tarrying in God's presence, and people were being filled with the Holy Spirit. They had miracle upon miracle upon miracle, and I'm gonna dedicate a whole sermon just telling you some of the Azusa Street miracles, but tonight I wanna focus on the Great Awakening, and that's not part of that story, all right? So this was a revival of repentance where 80% of the people, this is a quote from Benjamin Franklin. He said, you could walk down most any street and hear songs of prayer in all the homes. 80% of the country was saved in the 13 colonies because it sparked with one sermon. Now I wanna show you the next great awakening. All right. This is called the Second Great Awakening. Now, there's a lot of us who have been to camp meetings. Matter of fact, I'm flying out in a couple days to preach a camp meeting. This is this is kind of camp meeting season for a lot of people, all right? But what we call camp meeting is more of a conference, it's more of a convention. The reason they called it camp meeting is because you brought a tent and you camped. All right. It was a place where you had preaching and prayer all day long and sometimes all night long, and you went to your tent to rest so you could see people out in these massive fields with these tents. And I'll show you a drawing because there weren't, you know, they didn't have Polaroid back then, but I'll show you a drawing that someone drew of a camp meeting and you can kind of get an idea. Now there were some people that came on the scene, like John McGee and Barton Stone and Timothy Dwight and Lyman Beecher. These were some of those who began to to preach those camp meetings. Now, the interesting thing about this is that these were not held in churches, these were held in fields. There were no PA systems so they built a box and they built a box kind of like a speaker is shaped and the preacher would get inside the box and this is where this fervent preaching came from. This is where we stylistically left the high steeple preaching and went into the kind of what we would call today as Pentecostal preaching or fiery preaching. The reason for it is that's the only way you could be heard. You had to get, I mean there was guys like Billy Sunday, who was very theatrical. very Billy Sunday would break chairs and all kinds of things. He would stand up on chairs and run the backs of the chairs when he would preach. He was very theatrical, and he drew thousands upon thousands, but he wanted to be heard, so he would run through the, he would run through the camp preaching like a wild man, and they just came from everywhere to hear him. So imagine what this was like. They began to preach in these open fields, and they would draw, not they would go to a town, uh, one town in Kentucky that had 2,000 in the town, but the camp meeting was running 25,000. Now, think about that 2,000 in the town, but 25,000 people came all across that whole region to hear the gospel. And that is what we call the second great awakening. Now, one of the things that happened in that second great awakening is it began to spread to the city it left the camp meetings and started filling up the coliseums around the world. As a matter of fact, during this time, it lasted for 40 years, and during that time, 600 Christian colleges were birthed, the American Bible Society was born, the YMCA was born, five Christian denominations were born, and they were seeing 25,000 in open fields. They even had a revival that hit Yale University, the most prestigious university in the country, and a third of the student body repented and came Christ in Yale University and that's that is one of the high marks of that there were countless salvations now they didn't speak in tongues yet now remember Azusa has not come along that's 1906 that's a little bit later when there was like another wave of the spirit so you didn't hear of any speaking in tongues but what what most of them saw was people being slain in the spirit and, and uh, they were out in these fields, and if you see a lot of drawings from the Second Great Awakening, that was one of the phenomenons. People would be laying all over these fields like dead men, all over these fields, because people were being slain in the spirit as these preachers were preaching. Now, one of the preachers that was most noted in this time was uh, Charles Finney, and I want to tell you a little bit about him. I love the here's the, here's the picture I was telling you about. This is what a camp. Meeting would have looked like, this would have been a smaller camp meeting, so they made these preaching boxes. Sometimes they had sides on them. The people would stay in camps and they would come out and and come to these services, sit on the ground. And here's here's an amazing report. Gardner Spring, Reverend Gardner Spring reported that for over 25 years, now get this, over 25 years, not a single month passed without news of another camp meeting or revival breaking out. Wouldn't you like to go 25 years in this country again? Listen, that happened in the United States of America. Now, how can that happen? Were these preachers just that good? Well, you know what? Try reading sinners in the hands of an angry God. It's hard to keep up with it. It wasn't just the quality of the preaching, and they didn't do a lot of singing, and they didn't have any big bands. No, it was a divine awakening. Everybody say awakening. Awakening. See, glory is an awakening. When God decides to do something on by himself, he comes down in a miraculous way and miracles begin to happen. Now one of the guys who preached here in this time was a guy by the name of Charles Finney. They didn't preach every week, but here is one of the records of Charles Finney. Almost every week that he did a camp meeting, 50,000 converts came to the Lord in that week. And Think about that. Almost every week that he did a camp meeting or a convention, 50,000 people came to, came to Christ. When Finney preached, bars closed down. When Finney preached, gangs came to the Lord and got saved. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of the story of Finney and Nash, but Finney's secret was that he had intercessors that went with him everywhere he went and prayed. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us, and if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at BrianCutshaw.com, or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at churchtrainer. Or you can also give through the mail at PO Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at churchtrainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word. Now, if, you, if you've never read the stories of Daniel Nash, they call him Father Nash, you need to read those. Look them up, they're so interesting. If you look up his, his, his um, tombstone, it says, Daniel Nash labor with Finney, that's all it says. But here's the real story. Nash would go in where Finney was gonna go preach two weeks ahead of time and start a prayer meeting and there's story after story about Nash. Here, I'll just tell you a couple of those. Finney shows up into a boarding house where he's gonna stay for the meeting, and the lady said, I think before you go anywhere, you need to check on these three men in the back room. I think they're dead. He said, "What do you mean?" She said, "Well, they've been back there for five days. They haven't eaten. They haven't eaten a bite of food. They've been laying on the floor. I peek in all the time on them. They have not moved. They've been in the same place for five days. These men. There were three men back there, uh, and they've been in the same place for five days." He opened the door, and there was Nash and Carly, another guy who traveled with them. There was Nash and Carly, and they found another brother, and they had been interceding in one spot for five days, fasting and praying, had not even gotten up off the floor. They were laying there interceding. And in that particular meeting, in that that particular city, in that meeting, there were some gangs that tried to come in and shut Finney out of town because he was shutting down the bars. He was shutting down the drugs, everything. He was shutting down the houses of prostitution. Everything was shutting down because so many people were coming to the Lord. And one of the stories is that Finney was walking home to that boarding house after a meeting and this gang came up to him and they said, if you're not gone by tomorrow, we're gonna kill you. And he said, out of the shadows, Nash walked out. This skinny little guy who had been interceding, the Holy Spirit told him to go to that place and out of the shadows, he never—he usually never went to any of Finney's meetings, by the way. He wasn't in the amen corner. He was praying while Finney was preaching. his prayer meeting was going on while Finney was in the pulpit, and that is why so many people were coming to the Lord because of this intercessory team that was his secret weapon behind the scenes. And so in this particular time, this gang approached him and the story says that Nash walked out of the shadows of that alley and pointed his finger at those men and every one of those men fell down to the ground like they had been not been slain in the spirit but like they'd been knocked down to the ground when he pointed his finger at them. And he said, he said by tomorrow at this time, if you do not repent, you will die. He said, every one of you will be dead by tomorrow at this time if you do not repent. And when they got up the next morning, one of the gang members died. By noon, another one had died. And that night, the rest of the gang came to the Lord, led by their leader. All of them came to the meeting, and they gave to the heart to the Lord. And that town was one for God. Now, they've got ridiculous stories like that that go on and on and on. It is one of the most fascinating stories to read in all of your life. Well, while I was pastored in St. Louis for 27 years, there's a book there that is called The Soul of St. Louis, and I think that should be on the next screen, guys. There we go. There we go. I guess there was just a delay there. Charles Finney actually came to preach in St. Louis, and in this book, I actually I actually got my copy of that out this afternoon, was thumbing through it to make sure my stories were right, and they are, in St. Louis, Missouri, they were shutting down, while Finney was preaching in the Coliseum there in St. Louis, they were shutting down all the banks. Now think about this. They were shutting down all the banks and all the businesses in the downtown area at, at one o'clock in the afternoon or by noon or one o'clock every day because people were going to afternoon and evening meetings. Now think about this, an entire city, an entire city was shutting down all of their business so people could go to church and hear Finney preach. And the, in St. Louis, Missouri was turned upside down. Now St. Louis is a Catholic town. Finney was a Protestant preacher but nothing has ever affected that city in the whole time since its existence of the early 1700s. Nothing has ever affected that city and shut it down, including COVID. Nothing has ever shut down that entire city except a revival service during the second great awakening when Charles Finney was preaching in a Colosseum. Nothing has ever done that before. It's story after story of churches and prayer meetings breaking out in this, in this second great awakening. Now why is it called an awakening? God has an imagery, God has given us imagery in the Bible for when he's getting ready to do an awakening. Now I've told you about the first great awakening and the second great awakening in America. Now let me show you what God is up to. Let's go beyond what the nation needs. How many of you know the nation needs revival? The nation, have you ever seen America in the mess it's in now? Let's just be honest, I've never seen it in the mess it's in now. We are ripe for revival, we are ripe for a move of God. There's too much violence, there's too much, there's, there's too much bad politics, there's too much inflation, I mean, don't even get me started. We need a move of God, and that is what has saved this country over and over again. I'm saying, God, give us a third great awakening, give us another great awakening that can shake this nation. So the Hebrew word for what we would call awakening is the word almond. Okay, for the almond tree, it's the word Sheked, and this word literally de- derives from a root which means to wake up or awaken. Now, what's interesting about this is that because the almond tree is the first thing to bloom, is the very first tree to bloom in Israel every year, it is the symbol for waking up out of winter, waking up out of something dead. So the almond tree becomes God's symbol in the Bible. Now you have to follow this idea of the almond blossom to understand what God is up to now, okay? So if you don't get this part, all you're gonna understand is we need help, all right? But you're not gonna see what God is doing to help us. But if you get this part, you will. All right, so in the Bible, in the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter one, God is calling this young man into ministry. And again, he's so young. He's not 30 years of age yet. And because of that, he thinks no one is going to listen to him because he's too young. Now listen to this. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I was, you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Now, if God can say that to a baby in the womb, how of you know that God has plans for America. If God can say to a baby, I've ordained you to be a prophet to the nations, then I'm telling you, God has a plan. Don't lose your hope in America yet. Don't throw your flag away. Help is coming and the help is God. God is gonna help this country and bring us back. Then then said I, ah Lord God, but behold I cannot speak for I'm a youth, but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, and then God put him to a test. See, I've set this day, I've set this day, I've set over you, I've this day set over you the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? Now this is so important. What do you see? And he said, well, Lord, All I see is the branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said, you saw well. He said, this means I am ready. Almond trees mean awakening. This means I am getting ready to do something supernaturally. So the Lord said, because you have seen this, I am going to use a young man who nobody knows their name. Nobody's ever heard of them. And I'm going to assign you to the nations. You will be a prophet to the nations. Even though you are young and nobody even wants to hear what you've got to say, you have seen the sign that means that God is getting ready to do something. Let's keep going. Here's another time God used the almond branch. And look at this one's very important Numbers chapter 17 and Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness, for it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron, the house of Levi, had sprouted, we didn't know what kind of, what kind of rod it was until this statement, it has sprouted, it put forth buds, everybody say buds. And it put forth blossoms, everybody say blossoms. And it yielded ripe almonds, everybody say almonds. Wait a minute, how can that happen? How can we get buds? and blossoms and almonds at the same time. Is that even possible? Only if God can give you three seasons in 24 hours. That's the only way. A dead stick didn't just give you one season. Buds would have been enough. You could have seen it green, that would have been enough. But God, one leaf would have shown life. But God says, I wanna show you what happens when I accelerate an awakening. What would have taken months will only take days, what you've been praying for for years, I'm going to accelerate it and make things happen at an accelerated rate. Those things you've been waiting on, those prayers you've been praying, those days you've been fasting, those prayer meetings you've been attending, get ready to step on the gas. We are going to accelerate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to say this before I move on to the next branch of the almond. I wanna I want to say this, there are some of you out there tonight, you've got prophecies hanging over your head and it looks like time is running out. It looks like, God, how am I ever gonna see this happen in my lifetime? I'm getting older. I wanna see the hand of anybody that said, I thought something would've happened by now, but it hasn't. I've been waiting on something a little longer than I thought. When I, when I obeyed God, I thought it would happen, but it hasn't happened. Some of you have prophecies hanging your head, Some of you are saying, Lord, every time I have a birthday, I think it's going to be too late. But God said, don't you worry about a thing because I'm getting ready to accelerate it. What would have taken years is going to take weeks. What would have taken hours is going to take minutes. What would have taken days is going to take seconds. When God gets to awakening, he is going to move everything into fast forward and get the job done. I want to tell you, you're going to see loved ones ones come home to the Lord that you've been praying for for years and it looked like it was never going to happen and they're going to call you on the phone and say, Mama, I turned my life over to Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. You're going to hear them say it when God awakens this nation. This nation doesn't need another election. Well, I I say we do, but I won't go there and give you my political views. I I would welcome that myself. But another election is not gonna fix the United States of America. Another judge is not gonna fix the United States of America. Another law is not gonna fix the United States of America. But my God is an awakening God. My God can open the eyes of the blind. My God can accelerate glory and and heal this land. We need something divine. We're beyond fixing ourselves. We're beyond that. We have ruined our mind with social media. We've ruined our mind with with internet clutter. We've ruined our mind with so many things that we we are weighted down every single day of our life and overwhelmed every day. I'm ready for us to get one thing on our mind. What is God going to do today? What is God going to do tonight? I know the thought of revival exhausts some people. Oh my goodness, really? Going to church every night? That just sounds exhausting. When are we gonna rest? But you have never been in glory. I'm not talking about the kind of church that wears you out. I'm talking about when you get up the next morning and the glory of God, the incense of heaven is still on you and the glory of God is in your house and you can barely make it through the day because you turned your break room into a prayer meeting and you turned your lunchtime into a fast and you can barely make it through a day because you cannot wait to get back in the glory and in the presence of God. That's not natural. That is supernatural. I'm ready for something that we cannot produce. I'm ready for God to do something something that is beyond us. And God said, I'm going to give you three seasons in one night. Uh, woo, somebody claim that right now. Three seasons in one night. Three seasons, three years in one night. Three seasons in one night. And that's exactly what happened. This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand his kingdom around the world.